actual pay W-2 and catching up on today's Benobabble. Welcome to today's Fed and Babble. I'm Kevin Jones. We try to make federal retirement benefits understandable for humans like you in under 20 minutes. And I'm Cassie Knight. We take questions from viewers and listeners like yourself and who submit them on Fed and Babble and also through Kevin's workshop at Fed Pilot. And we answer them and just help uh, make sense of different planning um, strategies or concerns that somebody might need to know. So Good. question number one for high three furs, is it based on actual pay received or is it based on actual GS 15 step 10? That's very specific. Very, very specific. Which, which is what this person <laughs> must have been. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, sometimes questions come in and, and it's like, yeah, uh, you're, you're kind of asking the wrong question, but that's okay. Well, we'll and, and in a way it's, it, it's just worded kind of it's weird. The I right think. Question. It's just the, it's a, it's the right question. I think if they were talking to somebody about their situation. Yes. Right. Specific. Yes. Like. Yes, very, very specifically, which is really cool. I'm okay with that. Good. So high <laughs> um, three. Because it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. High three furs. Um, so, mm-hmm. so let's say this. There are things. So in, in my workshop, when I, do it, when I do it live and in person, I say, okay, question. Is high three based on your net or your gross? And oh, people say, oh, it's your net. Oh, no, no, it's your gross. Oh, no, no, no. And I say, neither, really. <laughs> that's, that's really not how it's figured out. <laughs> it's a trick question. It's, 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 there are things that are included in your high three, and there are things that are not included right. in your high three. And, and it doesn't matter what GS level or step you are. Sometimes yep. it does depend on your agency. Here we get that again. That's rare, but I, I, I can think of one exception to this, and a CBP. Um, <laughs> you're looking at me like. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean by depends on the agency for the? the yeah, there's only offers. one exception in that. In so, for example, regular pay counts toward your high three, your uh, locality pay counts toward your high three. Um, overtime does not count toward your high three, except for CBP does in some circumstances when they've transferred their stuff over. So, so it's not just CBP. Oh, it's even more than, okay. It's even more. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. So law enforcement, firefighters, um, and air traffic controllers typically have what's called, and this is more common for law enforcement officers, um, but it's a 25% um, increase for, um, oh, oh, yeah. I'm trying to think. I know what you're talking about. The automatic, uncontrollable overtime. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. A-U-O. So it's not automatically uh, uncontrollable, but <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of the technical term. It's AUO or law enforcement availability pay or LEAP. Yes. Okay. And that is included in their high three, actually. Mm-hmm. Yes. And firefighters with Department of Defense don't technically get the 25%, but they do get some sort of premium pay factor in there um, that if we do some backwards math, we can determine exactly how much that high three will be or exactly what kind of pay, mm-hmm. I should say, uh, will be included to determine the high three. Right. And, okay. and like you said, it, there's some backwards math that needs to be done sometime. It's not as straightforward mm-hmm. as a lot of people would think to figure out the exact high three, there's some calculation in there to make it work just right, especially if you have an exception. And like you said, firefighters, we have, we work with a lot of people in Montana and firefighters. Well, that's a question we get all the time from them. Do, do, do my, uh, does my overtime count? And it's no. And, and honestly, it depends on, Boy, and, and again, when someone, and this is well, a. That would th- depend on the type of agency. Yes, that's right. right. Like for DOD, for firefighters, they have premium pay that does count. Right, right. Okay? And so for Department of Forest or, um, you know, whatever, then that might be different. Department of Agriculture, I think, is what they're actually under. But yeah. Um, that's going to be different. Okay. And so it also could depend on the agency and um, those different rules. And so there are certain types of pay that count. There are certain types of pay that don't. And it really depends on, you know, your situation. Um, and and yeah. I will say <laughs> one of the things that makes this difficult when I'm talking with a lot of federal employees from a lot of different agencies is that well, someone will say, well, does this thing count? And uh, everyone looks at them and, says, and, and they think, I've never heard of that. I, I don't get that. And do, you know, does this one type of pay count? And then I'll have to say, okay, we have to realize that every agency calls something, one thing, something different. And yep. it could be termed this in your agency, but in another agency, it's, it's called this. And everyone else goes, oh, I've heard of that before. Um, right. But that's not what OPM even calls it. OPM calls it something different. Something and so, different. <laughs> so we have to translate as you're doing these, uh, reports, Cassie, you have to translate to OPMEs and figure out, okay, what, is, what are they talking about when we talk about OPM? Because OPM is the one who gives you your pension, for example. And so you have to translate it over to make sure that it, it all goes smoothly or, oh, there's a hiccup. And then in the report, you say, here's the hiccup. Yeah. So I do, I guess I play a translationist a lot because I'm interpreting all of that information from the employee and the advisor and what they're asking, you know, and, and trying to get it to where it's understandable, um, you know, it to me, to where I can look up the different questions or exceptions or, you know, all the different things on a case and get all that information back to where it's understandable for the advisor and the employee again. <laughs> that's <laughs> It is that's another language you have learned. Yes, you're bilingual for sure. 
<laughs> well, I'll take it. Yeah. But I okay. still can't be law. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's question number one. Okay. Here's number two. Discuss filling out a W-2 form in retirement. I am a single, I am single and no dependents. I would like to pay the minimum in taxes in retirement. Well, um, okay. so I think there's a difference. Do you know the question, Kevin? It depends. Do you know what happens to the W-2 in retirement? Uh, if they do not have a new one. They have to fill a new one, right? Yes. Yeah. However, if they do not, it automatically puts them as married with three dependents. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> I just know it that you need to do it. I didn't know that there was a default that they, oh, boy, I guess there would have to be a default. Oh, my. Yeah. Well, and actually, it's not a W-2, right? Because that's something an, an employee fills out. Sure. So it's a W-4. Okay. Um, or W-4 pension because you can do it for just on a regular basis or one strictly for your pension. Okay. Uh -huh. um, so there are uh, strategies. So what option will be the best for an employee? I have no idea. Okay. Right. I'm not a tax and I'm, I don't know the differences in your state or your area. And so I cannot say, you know, what's going to do where you can pay the minimum taxes in retirement. However, I do want to stress to everybody how important this form is. When you are looking at retirement, please, 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 please fill out a W-4 form. Right. Okay. If your financial advisor is not helping you with that or telling you to do that, find another one. <laughs> That's good period. That's right. That do exactly that. That's right. Now I will also want to mention. Yeah. I want to mention that when, when someone says I want to pay the minimum amount in taxes, again, a little translation or a little uh, clarification needs to happen here because are you talking about the absolute minimum you want to pay or are you talking about the minimum overall, because it could wind up that right. in the end of, uh, you know, April 15th of the next year, you have to pay taxes because you truly did get the minimum taken out in taxes. And now you have to pay extra. Or are you talking about coming out as even as possible and calling that minimum? And so at April 15th, you don't owe anything, but you don't get a refund either. And so Right. There's a little, you know, we're trying to figure out exactly what do you mean there by minimum? Right. And that's definitely something to talk to, I think, about with a tax advisor. Yeah. Um, because they're going to ask you the right questions to find out what that minimum means for you and how to strategize that overall in your retirement plan to really make sure that you are, you know, doing what you can to have the best financial success with everything. Okay. Not just with the W4 form at retirement. I mean, there's so many other factors that need to go in here as well. Um, if you have other income coming in from different buckets of money and things like that, um, people need to look at this as just one piece yes. of the pie. Um, there are several other pieces that need to be considered as well to make sure that you're on the right path. Let's, let's kind of 
detail out a quick scenario here. If we get this wrong and we say minimum and we pay the absolute minimum, then it's going to get to April 15th. You turn in your taxes for the year previous. Oh my goodness, I owe $4,000 because I didn't pay enough taxes. I have to pull that from where? From my TSP as a large chunk. Now I'm taxed on that automatically as well. And again, mm -hmm. as we talked about the snowball, it just snowballs into one issue after another after another. So you're right. Talking with a tax professional about these kind of things is critical to make sure that one thing doesn't affect another and that you can just make it work. It's like the pieces of the puzzle, like you said. Put it all together so that it works rather than be hitting, being hit by some surprise later on. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things that we um, strongly encourage uh, financial advisors to do. You know, the ones that are in our program, we have the availability to review those retirement applications, make sure that all the forms are filled out correctly, that they're getting to the right place, that they're being submitted properly um, and and all of that to make sure everything's good to go. And most um, of those folks, if they are not doing the tax planning themselves, they have a good resource of somebody who will help you. Yep. Yep. And I will say, just to throw this in as well, because this blows me away every time I think about it, Cassie, you before had mentioned nine out of 10 applications for retirement that you see are wrong in some way. That blows me away. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Whether it's <laughs> filling out the survivor spouse benefit or not including this form. I mean, for a single guy who doesn't have any dependents or, or gal, you know, for a single person, with no dependents, um, having it just automatically default to married with with three dependents, I mean, that might not be the best strategy for you there. No, I don't think so. <laughs> and again, that's in the fine print. It's not even something that's very obvious on the retirement application. It's in the very tiny, itty-bitty section. And, you know, if you're not doing that correctly, then um, certain things can can get missed for sure. So Yeah. Okay, well, that's that's a good question number one. We have about six. Oh, that's, that's question number two. I lie. Oh, so we have six. I was, I was thinking we just went over one. That's two. Here is three. How do catch-up yeah. contributions work in TSP? Cassie, you want to start on that one? Well, um, how they work now is not going to be how they work in three months. I'll tell yep. you that much. Yep. So right now, if you are contributing more than $700 or $750 a paycheck, then you have the option to include catch-up contributions if you are over the age of 50, okay? If you're under the age of 50, you're not even eligible for catch-up contributions, okay? Um, and then you can include another $250 per paycheck going into the TSP for the total amount of $6,500 per year for 2020. Okay, now this amount typically changes every year. Sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it does, but typically right. it is a slight increase, okay? Now, However. Go ahead. No, you, now, that's, right, that's right. Keep going. In a few months, for people who over-contribute, say you're contributing $900 a paycheck to your TSP, then it will automatically default for catch-up contributions, so that you're not even having to fill out the form 
because right now, if somebody is over contributing, then it'll just allow them to contribute the max annual amount, which is 19,500. And then once that amount is done, then the person does not get to contribute to TSP anymore. So if they're, they're done at, you know, paycheck or pay period 20, then they miss out on that six um, pay periods where the matching contributions aren't going in. They'll still get the automatic 1%, but they don't get the other 4% match. Right. Okay? A lot of people don't realize that. They'll, they'll over-contribute, finish by the end of, you know, end of September and then have three months mm-hmm. Of no, in fact, I, <laughs> there was once sweet lady who came in and she, she had her husband with her, with her, and and she goes, wait a minute, I've been doing this and I've been I've been maxing out by the end of September. Are you telling me I didn't get my five percent match throughout my whole my whole time working? Oh, oh, no, the whole time. And I said, yeah. Oh. Yeah, she, she, she said, I've lost thousands of dollars. And her husband yeah. turned to her and said, what, why did you do that? And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. She had no clue. This is, this kind no. of information is not made available. Some people know it, some people don't. I would say probably most people don't because it's not even a scenario that they're thinking of. But it's not your fault for not knowing. It's it's sad. Right. There's too many things to know everything yeah. about what happens if this is not your your job, right? If you're doing something else and you're just a federal employee, it will take a lifetime or a career time to really figure out all of this. And even then, with how many changes happen, it's so difficult to keep up, um, you know, unless you're doing this like I am for a living. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like we or are. I will say also um, financial professionals see this and they're they're watching the changes as well. And they'll call you up and say, hey, by the way, this rule changed. You're doing it as of, as of you know, in three months, you'll be doing it wrong. You need to get in here and we need to switch this around and figure out what way is best for you so you don't continue to do it wrong in three months. And they're, they're reaching out to make sure that federal employees are not uh, just misapplying the rule or, or applying the old rule correctly but now it's switched and they didn't even know because it was in the fine print or because it wasn't advertised well enough or because OPM just right. did it and they didn't really even tell anyone or because of a myriad of reasons why and so that's why it is so important to have a financial professional that is looking at this with you to make sure so if you want to I'm sorry did you have something to say before yeah, you've got to understand the federal benefits, though. Yeah. You know, it's not just yes. any professional yeah. um, who is a financial advisor, right? These guys need to understand your benefits. And if they don't know more than you do, move on Yep. to somebody who does. Get in touch with us. Um, go to FedNowBabble.com and let us help you get in touch with somebody who understands these um, rules and all the different exceptions and all of this stuff so that they can help you as your situation pertains to your financial plan and let them get you going on a road to success where, you know, something's not going to bite you in the rear end in the, (laughs) in a year from now or two years from now. Right. Um, And then of course, submit your questions um, as well to us. And if we use your question on the show, then um, 
you'll get a t-shirt or a face mask. Um, but also back to when you're um, getting in touch with us to reach out to a financial advisor, the first thing that they're going to do is have you uh, uh, give them, have you give them information so that they can provide a benefits report for you and find out where you are. Because that's where, what needs to happen before you can make any planning decisions um, in the future. And, you know, whether it's your pension and, and all of that, they're going to find out what decisions you're making, what adjustments need to be made so that they can really set you up properly. Yeah. And I'll say there's no cost, no obligation, no spell, sales pitch for all this. We just want to help federal employees get on the right track and not be dinged by these things. And of course, if you would please share this episode with others share fendababble.com overall with others so that they can learn and then share like follow all that good stuff um so you can get <laughs> notified when we warn you of other things that are happening as well um so thanks for coming thanks for listening thanks for watching and we'll see you next time <laughs>